Volapük in a moment, but let's just say that verbs in Volapük can have over 1,500 different conjugations as they are marked for person, gender, number, tense, mood, and voice. And nouns are declined for cases and number and gender. So there are four noun cases, but more on that later. So let's look at the history of the, the language. As I said, he started working on it in 1879, and he published a brief description of the language in a Catholic poetry magazine that he edited. And later on in the following year, in 1880, he wrote a, um, uh, a longer book about the language in German. And then other people started getting interested in the language and started writing about it in various other languages. And the, and the first International Congress of Volopuk, or Volopuka Kongred, was held in Friedrichshafen in 1884. A second congress was held in Munich in 1887, and a third in Paris in 1889. So during the 1880s, people started to get interested in this new language. It spread throughout Europe, and to North and South America, to Russia and parts of Asia. People were writing about the language, and writing in the language. And at, at its peak, there were over 280 clubs in many different countries, and 25 periodicals in and about the language, and over 300 textbooks in 25 different languages about Volapük. An International Academy of Volapük was established during the Munich Congress in 1887. In Volapük, it was known as Kadem Benvunetik Volapüka, and the headquarters were set up in Paris. So the aims of the academy were to preserve and improve and propagate Volapük, and Schleier was its first leader, or Schifal. Other members of the academy included August Kerkhoffs, a Dutch enthusiast for the language, who was the business guide or director, and language specialists from 12 different countries. In 1887, August Kerkhoffs published a grammar of Olapuk, which differed in quite many ways from Schleier's version of the language, and this led to various disputes and arguments between them. And Kerkhoffs organised the Third International Congress of Olapuk in Paris in 1889, partly to try and put an end to these arguments. However, at the Congress, the International Academy of Volapük decided that uh, Schleier could no longer veto any decisions made in the Academy, and as a result, Schleier decided he wouldn't recognise the Academy anymore and set up his own one in 1890. His Academy had 49 members who were all loyal to him. It was based in Constance, where he lived, which is now in southwest of Germany, and it didn't do very much, really apart from approve his decisions, and after 1893, it became inactive and probably disbanded. Also in 1887, Dr. Zamenhof published his first work on Esperanto, and many people who had been enthusiastic about Volapük switched their loyalties and started learning Esperanto. In 1892, the International Academy of Volapük started making many changes to the vocabulary and grammar of the language, they replaced many of the obscure words with more recognisable words based on European languages, and they got rid of some aspects of their grammar which were not found in European languages. And they made so many changes that they decided that they'd really created a new language, which they called Idiom Neutral, the neutral idiom or language. And they changed the name of the academy to Académie Internationale de Lingua Universale in 1898. And a few people got interested in this new international auxiliary language, and there was a periodical and a number of dictionaries and grammars produced. 
However, by 1908, members of the Academy decided to abandon Idiom Neutral in favour of Latino Sine Flexione, a simplified version of Latin. In the meantime, Schleyer continued to work on Volapük until his death in 1912. He was working on a dictionary and various other aspects of the language. And then in the 1920s, Dr. Ari de Jong created a revised and simplified version of Volapük, known as Volapük Nunique, New Volapük, which he published in 1931, and it was accepted by the few remaining speakers. There was a brief revival of interest in the language after this, particularly in the Netherlands and Germany. However, during the Second World War, the language was suppressed in countries under Nazi rule. Since then, there has been some interest in the language, and a small number of people still speak it and use it, and there's always been a shifal of the Volapük community, and there are people who use it online, particularly on Facebook, and maybe 20 or 30 people who currently speak it fluently. And now we know something about the history of the language and the person who created it, let's look at the language itself. But before we do that, I think it's time for a tune. This is The Swallow, a Wenol. A tune I wrote back in July 2017, and this is recording is played on the Cavaquinho, high and low whistles, guitar, piano, melodica, and boron. <laughs> of Volapük. It has eight written vowels, A-E-I-O and U, and A-O and U with umlauts, which can also be written A-E-O-E and U-E, or actually Schleyer invented separate letters to write these sounds. The sounds are A, A, E, O, U for the unaccented letters, and then for the ones with umlauts, they're E, U and U, and then other letters are pronounced, as in English, apart from C, which is pronounced CH, or when next to a voice consonant, CH. G is also always pronounced G. J is pronounced SH, and SH when with a voice consonant. R is pronounced R. S is always S. X is KS. And Z is TS, or Z when with a voice consonant. The basic numbers from 1 to 10 are Baal, Tail, Kiel, Fall, Lul, Mel, Veil, Yul, Zul, Deg. And to make other numbers, you just combine them together. For example, 11 is Deg Baal, 12 Deg Tail, and so on. And then 20 is Tail Deg, 30 Kiel Deg, and so on. In words with more than one syllable, the stress is on the final syllable. For example, the seasons are florup, that's spring or flower time, hitup, heat time or summer, fukup, fruit time or autumn, or fall if you prefer, and nifup, snow time or winter. 
If you have several vowels together, you pronounce them separately, not as a diphthong or a triphthong. So, example, rain is written R-E-I-N and pronounced rain. Never is, is written N-E-A-I and pronounced Nei. Now let's look at the grammar of the language. Volapük nouns have six different cases, which are the nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, predicative, and there's also a vocative particle, or. So they each have different endings. Unfortunately, they are very regular. So for example, genitive ending is a, dative e, accusative e, and predicative u. There are personal pronouns, but these are only used for emphasis. They're the same as the personal verb endings. So, for example, I is ob, and I am is binob. You, singular, is ol, and you are is binol. He is om, and he is is binom. But if you want to emphasize the subject, as it's I or he or she or it or whoever is doing the action, then you use the personal pronoun. Otherwise, you don't, because it's shown by the verb ending. And there are separate endings for singular and plural you. The plurals are the same as the singular, just with S on the end. That's the standard way of making plurals in for the puke. So, for example, we is obs, you plural is ols, they, when you're referring to a group of males, is oms, they, when referring to a group of females, is offs, or they, when you're referring to a, a mixed group or a neuter subject, is ons, and there are a number of other pronouns, but we won't go into those now. There are also polite endings, but they're only used really in poetry. We've already looked at some verb endings. There are various other ones. For example, the infinitive, to be, is binun. Imperative, be, binud, after which you add the personal ending. So, you be, singular, would be binudol. And then there are other endings, the conditional, optative, whatever that is, and participle, and subjunctive as well. And then there are prefixes that are added to verbs to show or indicate the tense. So, for example, the future tense is written is indicated by the prefix o. I will be would be obinob. You will be singular obinol, and so on. And then there's different prefixes for different tenses. Word order in Volapük is subject, verb, object, as in English and a number of other languages. So, for example, to have is la bun. I have la bob. I have a car. La bob to odi. Or if I want to stress that I have the car and not anybody else, it would be op la bob to odi. And car, or a car, or the car, there are no definite or indefinite articles in Volapük, is to'od, that's T-O-O-D, but you pronounce each vowel separately, as I've mentioned before. And then in the accusative case, when it's the direct object of a sentence, it's to'odi. She has a house, would be labof domi. Or if you want to emphasize that she has a house and not anybody else, it would be of labof domi. There's a lot more that could be said about the grammar of Volapük. I'm learning this as I go along, really. I haven't actually studied this language, but I am finding it quite interesting. I don't plan to study it, but I can see why people might be interested. So now let's have a look at some basic phrases in Volapük. Now these have been corrected by the current shifal, or head or chief of the modern Volapük movement, Mr. Herman Phillips, so they should be accurate. So welcome is benokemur, hello is glider. 
how are you? Leo Stadoli, fine, thank you, and you? Is Grico Donner Edoli? What's your name? Leo Panemoli, my name is Nemobabinon or Panemob. Pleased to meet you. Gritos Omi Ad Kokomen Oli. Good morning. Guni Gunik. Good afternoon. Possedeli Gunik. Good night. Neiti Gunik. Goodbye. Adieu. Have a nice day. Laborus Deli Gunik. Yes is si. No is ne. I don't know. Is no norob atosi or no funmob. Do you speak English? Is spikoli ninglenapuki. Please is begur. Thank you is daneur. And then we get to the most useful phrase of all. Of course, my hovercraft is full of eels, which is something like Now I've been trying to pronounce these as best I can based on the information I have acquired during making the making of this podcast, but I probably mispronounced certain things. Anyway, it's been interesting learning about this language. It seems a shame that it kind of disappeared. In some ways, it has a lot going for it, but it is grammatically a lot more complex than it really needs to be. And the pronunciation, especially of the vowels, is uh, quite tricky if you're not used to these particular sounds. For a German speaker, as Johann Martin Schleier was, obviously these vowels were second nature because they all appear in German. I think that'll do for now. We've learned a bit about Volapük and about its creator and its history. If you found this interesting and informative, well, great. Maybe you'd like to leave a comment. You can go to omnigot.com slash radio and leave your comments there. This podcast is available on various podcast providers where you can leave a review, you can like it, you can share it with your friends. And if you're feeling very generous, maybe you could even drop me a little donation. You can find donation buttons on omnigot.com slash radio and on the main omnigot.com website, which I also run, which of course is a online encyclopedia of writing systems and languages and includes a large section of constructed languages. So not just about Esperanto and Volapük, but many, many, many more. So anyway, I've been Simon Eger. If you want to contact me, you can do so via my website, as I mentioned, and you can also write to me at feedback at omniglot.com. I hope you enjoyed this, found it interesting and informative. If you're inspired to learn Volapük, or you're learning it, or you have learned it in the past, maybe you can leave a comment, talk about your experiences. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Adieu.